and welcome to the Carl Road Baptist Church podcast. Be sure to listen all the way through to the end of the episode for additional info on where to find more resources for past sermons, as well as how to watch us live each Sunday if you can't join us in person at our Columbus, Ohio location. Let's prepare to hear this week's sermon and listen for what God is saying to you and what he wants to do in your life. You know, giving time and talent and tithe to the Lord isn't always something that everyone wants to hear about. And I know that's probably a surprise to you, but there it is. There's a story of a fiery preacher who um, was working hard one Sunday morning, trying to inspire his congregation. And so he got up and he thundered, this church needs to get up and walk. And someone out in the audience shouted, Amen, Pastor, let her walk. Well, encouraged by this response, the preacher shouted, This church must get up and run. Back came the response, Amen, let her run. Preach on, Pastor. Well, hitting his full stride now, the uh, pastor preacher bellowed, More than that, this church needs to fly. Let her fly, pastor. Amen. Well, now, by this time, the preacher was at full oratorical power. Brothers and sisters, it takes money for the church to fly. Well, there was a rather long, awkward silence at this point, and everybody heard in the congregation a very hesitant, less than enthusiastic response. Amen, let her walk. Let her walk. Hmm. During the month of August, we've been taking a journey through a message series that I've entitled The Genius of Generosity. I borrowed the title from a little book by Chip Ingram who made this insightful observation. If you want to be smart, spend carefully. If you want to be wise, save regularly. If you want to be a genius, give generously. You know, that truth is counterintuitive, isn't it? I mean, uh, it seems like the opposite should be true. In other words, it sounds like making all the money you can and then keeping it all for yourself is the surest way to be secure and happy in life. But that's wrong because neither security nor happiness is ever produced by money and by having money. Instead, when we learn to give of our time and our talent and our tithe to the Lord, we put ourselves right smack in the middle of blessing, the blessing that God wants to give his children. And so if you live and you give your own way, you block a lot of that blessing that God wants to give you. And if you live and give God's way, you invite his blessing into your life. And that's why learning how to give generously is a mark of true genius. So today, I want to share with you a few observations based on Jesus' parable about the Good Samaritan. Now, you know that story, very familiar one. But today, I want to share with you a slightly different interpretation of it that I heard some time ago as it relates to living and giving. So Today's message is not my own creation. Nevertheless, it's something that we all need to hear. So I want to begin by reading the story again, just so you get familiar with it. Luke chapter 10, 
Beginning at verse 25, I would encourage you to turn in your Bible, whatever form you have it, and uh, following it as I read it out loud. Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 25 and reading through verse 37. Here's what God's Word has to say to us today. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He, meaning Jesus, replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So... We have the story of a Jewish man who made a journey from Jerusalem to Jericho. The road between the two cities apparently went through a rough, sort of sparsely populated area that had become a favorite spot for thieves to mug and rob travelers. And that's what happened to the man in Jesus' story. Um, And he was ambushed, he was beaten up, he was robbed, he was left for dead. And as he lay there on the side of the road, slowly dying, a priest and a Levite came along. Now, they were just part of the Jewish religious establishment. They both saw this man in great need. They both refused to help him in any way. But then a man from the region of Samaria came upon this injured Jew. And it's important to remember that Samaritans and Jews hated each other intensely at this point in history. Nevertheless, this Samaritan man rescued this very needy Jewish man, cleaned him up, put him on his donkey, took him to the nearest Hampton Inn to get him all healed up, even paid his bill in full. And uh, Jesus' story presented Uh, people who have one of three different approaches to living and giving. This is what I want you to get today. Now, the first group in Jesus' story were the thieves. So who are they? Well, simply put, my friends, they are the takers in life, the takers. Their their approach to, to life could be verbalized like this. What is yours belongs to me, and I will take it. What is yours belongs to me, and I will take it. And you know, folks, uh, takers are found in every walk of life. Uh, Takers reveal themselves even when it comes to giving time and talent and tithe to the Lord. 
Takers don't want to give any time to the Lord. Takers don't give any personal effort and energy for the Lord's work. Instead, they're quite happy to take the time that's offered by others. Takers don't invest their talents and abilities in the Lord's work. Instead, they benefit from the talents and the abilities of others. Either that they've concluded that they have really nothing to offer or, or they just don't want to offer any of them, of, of anything of themselves to the Lord and to His work in this world. They're perfectly content to let everybody else volunteer to be part of the church's ministry, to be a part of the welcome team or to teach our kids during the service or pray with people facing problems, or help out in our live stream ministry, or participate in a disciple-making triad, or, or fix and maintain the building on Tuesday mornings, or provide one of, to do anything in one of our ministries. It's always somebody else's job. Do you know how you can spot a taker? Takers are always and forever on the receiving end of ministry. Here's another way to spot a taker. After you've been with them for a while, you feel depleted and exhausted. Why? Because takers just take and take and take and take. They're, they're like a human black hole. I mean, stuff goes in there and never comes back out again. And tithing, I mean, that's incomprehensible to a taker. Some takers conclude that they're, they're just too financially insecure to ever give 10% of their income to the Lord. In reality, many takers uh, practice a life of chronic indebtedness that has them enslaved to their credit cards. And a taking mentality really doesn't have anything to do with how much money you have or how much money you make. It's about your attitude toward money and the giving of yourself. And whatever the excuse, takers are perfectly content to let everybody else pay for the ministries that the church provides. I mean, they enjoy, they use the building, but never think about who has to pay for the lights and the heat and the upkeep. They're content to call on the church's staff to meet their needs, but feel no obligation to help pay their salaries. Takers have concluded that everybody else but them should help buy supplies for our different ministries. Takers are oblivious to the fact that our collective financial gifts in this place, as well as the giving of our time and our talent, sustain a year-in and year-out ministry to those who don't know Jesus yet and help those who do know him become better disciples of Jesus. So recently, I saw a report of last year's financial giving to our church. Our last fiscal year, which was July of last year, 2020, and ended in June of this year, we received a total of $666,930 in giving for our general expenses. We spent $668,319, which left us a small deficit of $1,389. And we were able to cover that deficit with the savings that we have. In addition, we, we received a total of $76,621 for missions, and we sent out $65,865 to a variety of missionaries and mission efforts. And folks, here, here's what I want to say. Given the upheaval of the pandemic over this past year, I believe this congregation is to be strongly commended 
for your faithfulness and your generosity. Thank you. Bless you for your giving. I, I mean that sincerely. And above all, we praise the Lord who inspires and sustains all generosity, yes? We give Him the praise, yes. So how do you, how do you react to that report? Here's how a taker thinks. Yeah, pretty good news. The church seems to be doing just fine. I don't really need to give anything more. I don't need to, I don't need to increase my giving or get anywhere near a tithe. No, 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 no. Now, if the opposite were true, how would a taker react to the news that we finished the year with a huge deficit? Where's the leadership around here? How can they be asking me to give more? Don't they realize times are tough? They should be doing everything possible to meet my needs, not asking me for help. You see, takers just don't get it. They really do think that it's all about them. They really do believe that it's everybody else's responsibility to give, to pray, to serve, to share their faith. The thieves in Jesus' story represent those who approach both living and giving from a taker mentality. What belongs to you is mine, and I'm going to take it. Now, the next approach is represented by the priest and the Levite. Who are they? Oh, they're the keepers. Keepers. What's their approach to living and giving? Well, you could, you could put it this way. What is mine belongs to me, and I'm going to keep it. What is mine belongs to me, and I will keep it. I mean, that's how this priest and this Levite responded to this injured man, yes? I mean, can you imagine what they might have said to themselves when they saw this bleeding, beaten up, half-dead man lying there on the side of the highway? You know, if, if I help that guy, I'm going to become ceremonially unclean. I'm not going to be able to serve in the temple. Or they could have thought, oh, you know, that could be a trick. He might be faking it just to rob me. My clothes are going to get all bloody and messed up. I mean, if I help him, it's going to cost me time and money. Keepers, you see, are all about playing it safe in life, protecting themselves at all costs, and never extending themselves if possible. Folk with a keeper mentality live by this old saying, get all you can, can all you can get, and then sit on the can. That's their approach to life. And keepers measure success by how much you can get a hold of and hold on to in life. Keepers worship security above all, personal security, emotional security, financial security. They've never met a form of security that they don't like. Life is all about finding and keeping as much security as you can. God and other people just produce anxiety in the hearts and minds of keepers because God and people are always wanting what keepers want to keep. At least that's how life looks to a keeper. All this talk about giving time and talent and tithe to the Lord makes keepers feel very threatened. Keepers believe that time is precious. Therefore, it must be kept safe from those who will take it away from them, even the Lord and His work. 
Keepers believe their time and energy belongs to them. They think the Lord gave them the gift of time and energy to pursue meeting their own needs, certainly not for doing God's will. Keepers know that they have abilities, but their focus is building up their own personal kingdom, not building up God's kingdom. And the tithe? As the primary symbol of security in our world, money is to be hoarded so as to increase the feeling of security for the keeper. Now, now folks, don't get me wrong. The keeper is capable of giving something to the Lord's work and often does so. But anything remotely touching the level of sacrifice or generosity is a deeply offensive request of a keeper. And real generosity begins with the tithe. Doesn't end there, but it begins there. Keepers love to offer excuses why they don't give the tithe. There's the tried and true, I don't know the future, so I need to hold on to my money now excuse. Now, ironically, keepers can justify 30-year mortgages and multi-year car lease payments on money that they do not have when they don't know what the future holds, but they can't return to the Lord 10% of what he's already provided to them in the present. Hmm. There's that, well, the tithing is just an Old Testament law that doesn't apply to me today, and I don't want to be legalistic excuse. Keepers avoid answering this following question, which has always kind of gotten me. If God asked 10% of his people back in the Old Testament, and by the way, there's actually good reason to believe it was actually more in the 20 to 25% range, why should his people today, who have experienced far more of his blessing, far more of his grace, be expected to give less? I, I, I love the story of the guy who, who made a new commitment to start giving God 10% of his income, the tithe. At first, it wasn't a major problem because he wasn't making a whole lot, but then he started making some serious money. And he began to think that he just, you know, he just couldn't afford to be giving away that kind of money every paycheck, even if it was for the Lord and his work, told his friend about his concern, and his friend said to him, tell you what, why don't we kneel down right now and ask God to shrink your income so you can afford to give just a few dollars to him again? Yeah. Watch out, brothers and sisters, because it is easier than you think to become a keeper in life. It really is. You may not be tempted to be a taker, but I think the temptation to be a keeper can be very strong. I mentioned earlier our giving report for our last fiscal year. So how does, a, how does a keeper react to that report? Well, they probably look at it and say, uh, yeah, it's not bad. I can put off being a tither for another year. Um, church is doing pretty well. I don't need to raise my own giving. And you know what? I'm sure there are more qualified and gifted people than me to do all the ministry stuff around this place that needs to be done. I mean, not only am I unbelievably humble to acknowledge that fact, but I'm also just busy, 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 busy. I'm so busy. Now, if, if I had given a really bad report, keepers would respond with a keeper mentality. You know, someone, someone ought to help this church become fiscally responsible. You know? 
Staff and programs need to be cut if necessary. It's too bad, but that's just the way it is. Keepers really don't get it any better than takers do. Different approach, yes, but the same result. What, what result am I talking about? Well, let me explain it like this. I don't follow car racing, but a few years ago, I understand there was a rather disappointing Indianapolis 500 car race. This is supposedly one of the most exciting, most entertaining car races in the world. Unfortunately, on this particular day, 200 of the 500 miles had to be run under 13, count them, 13 yellow caution flags. I mean, there was an accident that spilled oil all over the track. And then there was a spectator who dropped his pop drink can onto the track accidentally. And then, and then one of the drivers hit a rabbit, of all things, that had wandered out onto the, onto the course. And it was, it was just one thing after another all day long. So instead of these incredible race cars costing hundreds of thousands of dollars, being able to perform at speeds of upward of 200 miles an hour for 81 laps or 200 miles, drivers were forced to follow the pace car at a measly 80 miles per hour. Hmm. Folks, here's the analogy. It doesn't take much to slow the ministry of this church or any church to a crawl. For the life of a church, any church, to be less than God intends. For our witness in the community to struggle rather than to prosper. To become just status quo rather than spiritually aggressive when it comes to ministry. And it can happen when we make excuses not to tithe. It can happen when we serve only when it's convenient to serve. It can happen when we use a pandemic as an excuse to sit on the sidelines. It can happen when we get so busy doing things, we no longer have time to do the best things. We substitute good things for the best things. Brothers and sisters, it does not take many pop cans or furry rabbits to weaken the ministry of Carl Road Baptist Church. It doesn't take many yellow caution flags to stunt our efforts for the Lord Jesus Christ. And may God help us. Enough of ministry under a yellow flag. Enough of petty, insignificant excuses not to give generously, not to serve faithfully, not to share fully when it comes to our time and our talent and our tithe. Let the green flag drop again. And let us share fully when it comes to our time and our talent and our tithe for the rest of this year and on into 2022 as we share the adventure together of helping bring people to Jesus and helping all of us to become his better and more devoted disciples. Yes, you're going to get a new pastor sometime next year. That's going to be a big change for you. It's going to be a big change for me. But I believe and I pray that KRBC's best, best, best ministry years are still ahead of us, not behind us. And they will be if we reject the mentality of the takers. What belongs to you is mine. I'm going to take it. As well as the keepers. What is mine belongs to me and I'm going to keep it. 
Thank God that Jesus' story provides the example of the Samaritan. So which group of people does he represent? Thank God for that third group. We're talking about the givers. The givers. Well, what, what is their approach to living and giving? What is mine belongs to God, and I will give it. What is mine belongs to God, and I will give it. At some level, the Samaritan recognized that whatever God had given him was for a larger purpose than just meeting his own needs. And so when he saw that man dying there on the Jericho Road, he realized that God had given him the privilege and the opportunity to give, and so he gave. And givers approach all of life uh, with a crystal clear understanding. Givers know that everything they have is given to them by God. Time, talent, treasure. Givers know that God ultimately owns everything anyway. So whatever we give to him in terms of time and talent and treasure, that already belongs to God. Givers give out a gratitude for all that God has given to them. Givers never wait for conditions to be perfect before they give because they know that perfect conditions this side of heaven are an illusion. Givers refuse to wait until there's more time or more money or better health or a better job or a bigger house or even when a pandemic is officially declared to be over to give of themselves. Instead of protecting themselves, a priority for keepers, givers release themselves to God and then to others in his name. Givers just can't hoard time or talent or financial treasure. Instead, they've got to invest that stuff in the building of God's kingdom. Now, folks, don't, get, don't, don't misunderstand me here. Givers are not people who spend all day every day at the church building. That's not what I'm talking about. We all have jobs or we've got families, whatever. God understands that. Givers, they just find out how to give a generous slice of their time to God and His work. They worship regularly. They're intentionally plugged into some kind of a class or a small group or a triad for the purpose of becoming a better disciple. They're serving the Lord in some place in the life of the church. They're given to prayer. They have a heart of love for specific uh, spiritually lost people. They're praying for them. At the end of the day, givers just want God to use them. Anyway, some way, God, use me. Givers discern between spending their time and giving lots of energy to the, to the best things rather than just to good things. Givers never try to do everything. That's a misconception. Instead, they give of themselves in the areas God has gifted and equipped them to serve. It's not about being self-motivated, but instead being Holy Spirit motivated. The Holy Spirit is the one who is continually urging them to be available to God every day. So, I mentioned earlier our giving from our last fiscal year. There it is. How do givers react to this information? Great. Praise the Lord for letting me be a part of sustaining the ministry of KRBC and in the midst of a very difficult year for all of us. Now it's full speed ahead. Lord, what more can I do? What needs can I meet? How can I better contribute? 
Givers know that whatever financial resources they possess are the result of God's blessings, not so much their wisdom or their intelligence or good luck. Givers use money. Money doesn't use them. Givers sign up for something like, you know, Financial Peace University, which our church has offered last year, will offer it again down the road. Why? Because givers want to live and to give generously. They want to figure out how to do it. And givers invariably tithe, and they often give beyond the tithe. Over time, they have come to see less and less tithing as some great sacrifice and more and more as an expression of continual gratitude to God for all that He's done for them. Givers may start out tithing from a simple desire to obey the Lord, but they continue to tithe because of the joy that they experience. You see, givers just get it. They get it. Givers understand who God is and what He's doing. Givers want to be a part of helping to build God's kingdom and seeing lives transformed by the power and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what givers care about. So what about God? What about God? Is he, let me ask you, is he a taker? Is he a keeper? Is he a giver? Well, look at these two verses from the New Testament. When you get to the red word, say it to me audibly, okay? For God loved the world so much that he, his one and only son, since he did not spare even his own son, but him up for us all, won't he also? us everything else. God is the ultimate giver, isn't he? There are three approaches to living and giving, folks. You can be a taker or a keeper or a giver in life. And God, may God help each and every one of us to become and to stay givers. Lord, what belongs to me belongs to you, and I will give it. You know, a few weeks ago, I um, talked about how there is in some African churches during the worship service the tradition of asking believers to come forward to present their offering and doing a little dance as they walk forward. And I threatened to do that here. Nobody's taken me up on it yet, but still thinking about it. There was an English missionary who told uh, another story about a very unusual offering in Africa. He, was, he had just finished preaching a message about Jesus' transfiguration. You know that amazing story where Jesus went up to the mountain with three of his disciples and his body actually began to glow because of the brightness of, of who he was. It was, a, it was a way of underlining his, his deity. It was just, it was, he just reflected the glory of God. And the message that the missionary wanted to give to the people that day was the fact that, that we too can reflect the glory of God by how we live our lives each and every day. So after the message was over, um, they took up an offering. And in the audience that day was a, um, a young woman who had just been baptized recently. And she literally did not have even one penny to put into the offering plate that day. So when the offering plate went down the the row that she was in, she stood up 
She got the offering plate, she put it on the ground, and she stood inside of that offering plate. And it was just a symbolic but a powerful way of saying, Lord, I give you all of me. Here I am, generously. So, can you picture that scene? Here's what I did this week. I took some pictures of different staff members standing on an offering plate just to give you a visual. And yes, I will give you extra points if you can figure out which staff members matches which feet. Okay? Um, But that's really what this message series has been all about, folks. it's, It's about the giving of ourselves to the Lord. All that we are, all that we have, we offer to him because of the great and the wonderful and generous God that he is. Folks, if, when it comes to money, if you, if, you want to, if you want to be smart, go ahead, uh, spend carefully. And, and if you want to uh, be wise, save regularly. But if you want to be a genius, give generously. Let's pray. Father God, I thank and praise you today for the opportunity that we've had to worship you. We, we thank you together that we've been able to witness a baptism and, and sing great songs and pray and see kids honored and see Corrine honored today. And Lord, it's just been a wonderful day. We thank you for the opportunity to be with your people to worship you. Lord, we we just remember that to sustain all the good things that happen in this place, more and more of us need to become givers. I want to thank you for the many givers that we do have in this church because this church wouldn't be here if we didn't have a large number of givers. But, Lord, we need more. And we need some that maybe are a little little kind of are growing into that to, to step up and to become givers themselves. And so we pray, Lord, that that you would enable us and strengthen us, continue to give us the joy of being able to give generously to you. And Lord, where we need to hear a challenge today to step up and become a giver, I pray that you would grant the grace and the strength to be able to do that. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. tuning into the Carl Road Baptist Church podcast. We hope you found something that can be applied to your life today and into the future. You can always watch our past services or see them live on YouTube, Facebook, and our website at www.carlroadbaptist.org. That's Carl with a K, A-R-L, roadbaptist.org. If you search YouTube or Facebook, look for Call Road Baptist Church, and don't forget to subscribe or follow us if you are watching via a service that allows that so you can stay up to date and notified when another episode is ready for you to watch or listen to. Thanks again for sharing your time with us and putting in the effort to maintain your relationship with God. Have a fantastic week, and we look forward to growing alongside you in the future with the next episode of the KRBC Podcast.